Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to North Haven. I think I introduced myself earlier, so I don't know if I need to do that again, but I wanted to mention kids and students. Go ahead and head out to the back. You'll be directed to um, a, a time that you'll enjoy a lot more than if you're in here, I guarantee. Um, anyways, we are going to venture into our, uh, further into our series, but before we do, I'd like to do something a little out of the ordinary. I'm going to ask somebody courageously to stand and pray for me in this time. Would somebody be willing to do that, to stand and pray for us? Thank you. Amen. Thank you so much. And we're going to do something yet an, another thing unusual. Um, so there's been a conversation a lot, um, not only in this place, but just around the whole uh, world about what is the church during this time? Because we're oftentimes apart, especially on Sunday mornings. Well, you know, we have a contingent of individuals that are watching via the live stream. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, in, you're in your pajamas, you're probably eating some cereal. And uh, there's people here too. And we don't always remember that. And what is the church? I think the church really isn't, uh, you know, the people that are here necessarily or the people that are watching via the live stream. The church are all those that are believers of Jesus Christ who are desiring and intentious of being together, of wanting to be together. And I think that that's true regardless of whether you're watching the via live stream or, watch, or whether you're here. But let's remember, too, that we're all one church. So what I want to do, Matthew, I'm going to have you pan back in the camera, and he's going to just look at all. He's going to bring the camera. He's going to pan around. I want you to turn back, look at the camera, and I want you to wave at the people. Just wave at them. Let them know that you're here. They can hear you too, so you can say hi, hey, what's up? And they're waving back and probably feeling a lot weirder than you are right now. We're going to go off to the other side here too and, and uh, make sure you wave, say hi. It's good to see you guys. There are people in the building. It's fantastic. And um, uh, we certainly respect and, and, um, and love everybody in their um, a decision to either be here or not be here. Um, some can't be here, and uh, we understand that these are unprecedented times. Um, we would love uh, for you to, uh, to come um, if, if you feel comfortable with that. Um, we do have a lot of precautions in place that I think make this um, a, a real feasible opportunity, but um, want to uh, just highlight that and, and just highlight the fact that we are the church. Now, speaking of the church, we had um, an amazing individual, somebody who had been a part of our church for such a long time, an instrumental part uh, to that fact. Uh, Dave Parade passed away, and we had his funeral on Friday. I was there for the funeral. It was a it was a great time um, of remembrance of who Dave was. Um, it was limited to family. Get this. Uh, they said that when Dave um, went with some of his family to the Philippines, um, 
they only were able to connect with about 250 of 900 family members that they had there in the Philippines. So actually when we did the, the funeral, we live streamed it and there was a huge group of people in the Philippines that were watching it on a, on a large screen. Um, so we also not only live streamed that, but we recorded it. And if you hadn't had a chance to see that, you can go to our Facebook page. You can click on the, uh, that link, and it'll take you right to the Vimeo video, and you can watch that funeral service. Like I said, it was a great uh, time of remembrance and, and celebration of the fact that Dave is in the, um, the presence of the Lord right now. Um, can't wait to be with him again. Um, I also um, want to uh, thank those who volunteered uh, for that. Um, it was, a, it was a, a nice endeavor. It was our first funeral under the COVID circumstances. I think it went really well. Um, and then we want to continue to pray for Nellie and, uh, and Dave's family as they uh, go through this loss. Um, Lauren mentioned Rooted. I got to um, highlight this again. I'm super excited about this. We've been talking and pumping it up over the last few weeks. I, this is the goal. I want every single person to get this book in your hands. All right, that's the goal. Now, to get this book, you have to register. And to register, you can do that online. Now, this is a 10-week series that we're doing starting September 13th. It's going to be an all-church experience. The youth are doing it as well. And we're going to be going through this material week by week. It's going to help you grow in your relationship with the Lord, grow in your relationship with others, and develop a further understanding as to who God is and his plan for you. Um, and so this is, this is going to be fantastic. I want to get this in your hands. Like I said, you can register online. It's $20 for the registration. That gives you the book as well as the experience. You can do that online or you can do that in person. Someone raised the card. It's inside the worship folder. Someone raised that card. Yep, that, well, not that card, that card. All right, good job though, Beth. All right, that card. If you fill that card out, you don't have to register online. You could fill that out here in real time. And then after the service, you can bring that up to the table where all those books are at and hand that card and you can either pay via cash, check, or we can swipe your card there as well. Um, if you don't have the money, that's totally fine. We want to get this in your hands, so we'll just give it to you, all right? So if cost is, is something that's going to preclude you from that, it shouldn't because this can still uh, be yours. Also, if you're a facilitator, um, if you've either uh, expressed interest or you have a desire to be a facilitator, um, we still, you can still sign up for that. We've got training coming up. You can indicate that on the card as well. Um, I can give you the information about that. But if you've uh, signed up or expressed interest and you're going to be at one of the trainings, um, pick up this book. You don't have to pay for this one. It's at the table. Just let her, um, I think Karen, you're going to be there. Just let her know that you're a facilitator and she'll make sure you get this. All right? And then um, also with the small groups, just really quick. So we, for those of you who are in existing small groups, you will get, go through Rooted, and each of you will go through that um, individually and then as a group. If you're not in a small group, we invite you to be a part of that Sunday night experience. We're going to have facilitators leading small groups that we're going to put together based on those people that participate. If you would like to do it virtually, we'll have virtual groups as well. Um, so there's opportunities there. So please don't miss out on that. Also, really quick... Um, uh, this is for every individual. 
All right, because the re- there's devotions in, in here, and um, it's very personal to uh, a specific person. And so one, it wouldn't work, it wouldn't be the experience that it needs to be if you did it with um, a couple. Does that make sense? So one book per person is what we're shooting for. All right. Whew. Well, let's get to the meat of things here today. On Wednesday, I had my message all done. Um, had it ready for this Sunday. We're going to continue in the shame uh, and grace uh, series, and uh, it's been a fantastic series, and uh, Denny was here, Dennis uh, Conroy was here last, or last service, and I thanked him. I want to thank him again for his uh, time last week. Um, did a great job, heard a lot of great comments as we kept going forward through the series. Um, but I had a few conversations over the course of almost a 24-hour period where the Holy Spirit made it abundantly clear that he had a different plan in store for this Sunday. And when he does that, you got to listen. And so I did. And I completely did a detour. And we're going to go in a different direction. It's still connected to shame and grace, but I think it is very pertinent to what's going on today. 2004, I started social media. I started specifically with Facebook. I think, actually, I may have the year before done MySpace. Who remembers MySpace? <laughs> but I did, I did Facebook in 2004. That's when I entered in. Now, I, some of you may know um, some of the history with Facebook. Uh, you know, it started at Harvard and then it became a college thing and then became more of a young adult thing. And then I knew that the whole landscape had changed once I got a friend request from my mom. When I got a friend request from my mom, I knew that, okay, this is, this is a different animal now. And now almost everybody has a Facebook account. Uh, so much so that when, when we ventured into our live stream, see, we weren't live streaming before COVID, as was the case in a lot of churches. But that week, it was, it, it was March 15th or 16th, that was that first Sunday that we weren't going to be here in the building. We live streamed via Facebook, and we did that confident that almost everybody in our congregation had a Facebook account or had access to it. So Facebook is so prevalent in our society now, I'm Facebook friends with a, a lot of you. If, if not, in, you know, send me a Facebook friend request. I will say yes, all right? I, I, I like seeing that number go up, right? You know, that's how I know I'm, I'm popular is I got more than whatever. So uh, send me requests. We'll be friends, Facebook friends. Uh, but I hope we can be much more than that. But um, it's not just Facebook, right? Uh, my daughter's on Instagram, but then there's also Snapchat. Um, you got uh, TikTok, and even YouTube is a social media platform, right? Uh, social media has become such an integral part of our society and our daily lives. But what are some realities of social media today? As we now look and reflect on where we're at with social media, what can we say for certain? Well, one reality is that we are often, we are often, people are often driven by emotional and reactionary responses. Now, that's just in general. If you set social media aside, that's just the case for humankind, all right? Emotional and reactionary is, is part of that whole kind of human nature deal, but then it, it is exacerbated in social media. And then we spend a great deal amount of time on social media. 
If you Google that statistics on social media, you would just be blown away by some of the details that you would read about. And then many of our relationships, especially today, exist almost solely on social media. I mean, you think about even just how it is we are right now in COVID. Um, we, we're not spending a lot of time with one another. People literally can't be with other people. And so social media is very much their only connection. And then the sporadic and minimalized nature of social media has created a sporadic and minimalized culture of communication. We don't even realize it. It's the water that we swim in. But that sporadic, momentary nature of social media, that that communication method has become now ingrained in how it is that we communicate with each other, even in person these days. And then we often feel free to say things on social media that we would never say in person. We would never say in public, but oftentimes we feel free, and I would argue reckless, to say those things on social media. And then this is the thing that I don't think we often remember or realize, and that is this. One day, every single person in this room, regardless of whether you are saved, whether you've given your life to Jesus Christ, for those of you who are watching via the live stream or watching this as a recording later on, For every single person that has lived, that is living, that will live, will one day stand before God in that day of judgment. And we will be held accountable for everything we've said, everything that we've done, including everything we've posted or commented on social media. Paul has something to say about this, almost fortuitous, right? In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 through chapter 5, verse 2. So let's read this together. It'll be on the screen, or you can certainly open up your Bibles if you have that. Starting with verse 29, it says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at three ways, three ways that I ultimately feel we can approach social media. Regardless of how it is that you do, I think that every single person falls somewhere in these three areas. So we can choose to be one of these three things. The first is this. You can choose to be a fire starter. A fire starter. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, the first part of that verse. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Now that word unwholesome, don't let that confuse you because we, we have different ideas and thoughts and opinions as to what is right and what is wrong even within the church. 
And, and what, what some person can say as, uh, is wholesome, right? Another person can say is unwholesome. But rather, this, we're not, I don't want to think about it as bad or good, but rather I want to think of it as helpful or unhelpful. That's what Paul's talking about here. So unwholesome, what he's saying here is don't let any unhelpful talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful. Now, when you see the words do not, it's not a suggestion. The Bible here is saying do not, that your lives, especially on social media, where you cannot see the person that you're talking to, how they're responding, how they're reacting, you don't know the context of which they're bringing their stuff into it. You know, we cannot be reckless. Do not be unhelpful. Instead, be helpful for building others up according to their needs. What is a fire starter? If you're, if you're, if you're going camping, right, the worst thing that you're going to do is you're going to start a fire and then walk away. Leave your campsite, right? Because then somebody else has to deal with it. Or if you start a fire and somebody else gets burnt, we can't, we can't recklessly be putting our thoughts and opinions out there in an unhelpful way and then walking away, leaving others to take care of or put out that fire or less be burnt in the process. So I would argue that's not the way to approach it. Do not be a fire starter. I would also say that you should not be a pillar sitter. <laughs> a pillar sitter. What in the world is a pillar sitter? In the ancient church history, in ancient church history, there were those who would sit on these high pillars that would be in the middle of town squares. And they would be exhibiting their aestheticism, meaning that they, they are proclaiming publicly in the midst of every, I'm abstaining from all of this because I am above it. I would argue that that is also not a helpful approach to social media. In Ephesians, again, for in the second half of verse 29, Paul says that it may benefit those who listen. Previously, what is helpful? Only talk about what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. There is so much benefit from social media. We would, have, we would have had no way of connecting or communicating to people in our church when COVID hit had social media not been in place, specifically Facebook. Is it possible that God is so sovereign? See, the, the world is decaying because of sin. And that decay creates certain realities, COVID being one of them. Could it be that God was so sovereign that he held this at bay till we got to the point where we were as a church, and I'm not just talking about North Haven, but the church, the global church, was still able to connect, still able to be the church? There is great and helpful and wonderful ways that we can utilize social media for the glory of God's kingdom. 
where we can point people to Jesus Christ, where we can, we can post uplifting and encouraging aspects of our lives, or we can present challenge that causes people to think and to engage if we're willing to engage with them. But we can't be a pillar sitter. We can't sit on that pillar and sit above it all and point our finger in condemnation and saying, I'm above this. That's also not the way to approach social media. So instead, I would encourage us all to be grace givers, to be grace givers. In verse 32, Paul says, be kind and compassionate to one another. We're to give grace. We've been given the gift of grace through Jesus Christ, through his redemptive work on the cross, because God loved us. Now, we can't change people's lives, right? We can't save people from an eternal damnation. Only God can do that through Jesus. But we've been given grace so that we can give grace and mercy and peace, peace and patience to others. We've been given so that we can give. And what is a grace giver? Well, a grace giver is one that follows God's example. And God's example isn't a what, it's a who. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So being a grace giver, not just in social media, but in your life, focusing on giving grace to others, is to love first. I am never, ever going to stop preaching love. You know why? Because God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The world does not have a monopoly on love. That is God's. And it is realized. It is perfected. Jesus is love embodied. And so when I say we need to love others, I'm saying that we need to be like Jesus. Because that's what the Bible's telling us. So we need to love first. And we need to give ourselves up. We gotta stop looking for our own agenda, for our own preference. We gotta do what Paul says in Philippians 2, consider others better than ourselves. Do you do that? Do I? And we need to present ourselves as a fragrant offering. Again, God's example is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ presents himself as a fragrant offering. Are you sweet to the smell? Or do people recoil when they take a whiff? We are in this perfect storm right now unprecedented. There are many who are experiencing fear because of COVID. There are many who are experiencing anger because of all the racial tensions. 
And there are many who are experiencing angst because of the political climate right now. This is this perfect micro, this storm that has, that has converged now and we're in the midst of it trying to make sense in heads and tails. And many of us are turning to social media to vent out that fear and that anger and that angst. And we can decide, we can decide to use that to incite others, be a fire starter. We can decide to condemn others and to sit on that pillar. Or we can be a grace giver. Ultimately, we got to choose grace over shame. That's what we've been talking about this whole series. Is, is shame is something that is often put on us by others. If I sat down with each and every single one of you one-on-one and asked you, how have you experienced shame? You would all be able to single out a moment in your life where someone has put shame on you. We don't often think, though, about whether we've put shame on others. Are you giving grace or are you giving shame? So practical ways that we can do this. One is that we can ask questions and seek to explain ourselves clearly to others. Don't be presumptuous. And I would argue that you should pray before you post anything. It's not going to take you more than a few seconds saying, God, do you want me to post this? Do you think he would abstain from answering? I don't think he would. Think how you would feel and respond to what it is that you're putting out. And then give others the benefit of the doubt. Private message people, for goodness sake, if you want to get into the the meat of things a little bit more, redirect social media feeds towards grace and Jesus. And instead of posting something inciting or condescending, post some, some things that are uplifting and inspiring and point people to Jesus. My goodness, I'm not seeing Jesus in Facebook anymore. Are you? Psalm 19, 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let me make something clear. I do not think that you are a bad person if you post your dinner tonight, okay? And your vacation that you're going to go on here in a few weeks, well, you probably won't because school's starting, but maybe that you will at some point. You post pictures, that's wonderful. I love seeing how, what people are doing and how people are experiencing life. And, and if you have thoughts and opinions and you want to get those out and you want to communicate those, there's nothing wrong with that. But where it crosses the line and where it goes from grace to shame is when it is unhelpful towards building people up. 
that's where it becomes shame. And the church is not about shame. The church is about grace. The only way that we're truly going to see minds changed, the only way truly that we're going to see hearts and lives changed, whether they're ours or other people's, is through God and his, the redemptive work provided to us because of Jesus Christ. That's it. And so the more we point people to Jesus, the more real he becomes in the lives of people that so desperately need him. And you know, you know the people that oftentimes need Jesus more than others? It's the church. Will you choose grace over shame? Let's pray. Father, Lord, I preaching to myself, Lord, as much as I'm preaching to anybody else in this room or watching or listening. And Father, this is, this is such a great reminder for me to always be mindful, Lord, not just in social media, but in every way in which I engage others to be mindful to build others up, to point them to your Son, Jesus Christ, to, yes, stand up for those who are oppressed. To, yes, bring, bring peace when there's a lack of their, thereof. Or, or yes, to, 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 to stand by my morals and my convictions. But to do so in ways that are loving and patient and gracious and kind. And that seek the interest of others above my own. That is the example set before us by your Son, Jesus Christ. And that is the example that your word demands that we follow. So I pray, Lord, that you would challenge us in ways maybe that we wouldn't expect today and this week and the weeks and months to come. Lord, we love you. And we pray this all in your holy and precious name. Amen want to remind you that the registration is going to be available here in the commons. You're going to be able to use cash check card. If you don't have money, don't worry. Grab a book. Let them know. And that's on us. I want everybody to get that book in your hands. Have a great day. Great week. We'll see you next Sunday.